Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to the 26th episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable songwriters about their songwriting process. I am your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to my friend Andy Gillian about how he writes songs. Today's episode is sponsored by the amazing DistroKid, the best way to get your music on the internet and their awesome hyperfollow feature. Hyperfollow is a completely free and awesomely powerful promotional tool for anyone using DistroKid. It is the one-stop shop for all the links to streaming services and stores for your DistroKid release. This is the link that you give people when they ask where to hear your band. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, you're in a band? Where can I listen to you? I just want to be able... You're like, boom, hyperfollow link. The minute that you finish uploading your uh, release to DistroKid, you can start marketing it with this hyperfollow feature. You can customize it include, to include your social media pages. And as soon as it goes live, your hyperfollow page automatically updates to include all of these links. This is something that everyone should be using. If you don't use DistroKid already, you can get 7% off your first year with my special link in the description. And now, his new album, Arcade Metal, is out now. Please give a warm welcome to my buddy, Andy Gillian. Hello there. How are you doing? Applause. I'm hitting the applause button. There it is. <laughs> wow, it actually worked on time. The canned applause. Look at that. Amazing. All right, dude. How are you doing? What up? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Great to chat with you. It's been a while. Yeah. Thank you for getting up. It is, it's currently a... Uh, tomorrow a.m in <laughs> australia i don't know i don't know what time it is but it's not good it's the future is what it is <laughs> yeah it's i've woken up with a weird look look at this thing on my head i know that you're doing the podcast thing but if you're watching on youtube yeah i think i've been bitten by a spider in, my, in the sleep i don't know what's going on or, or like a one one fanged snake has just, just assaulted me in my sleep <laughs> i don't know what's happened a there vampire desperately in need of mental work you, <laughs> yeah and has bad aim <laughs> Mm. and opto optometric optometric optometry needs glasses long story short most likely just remember that you you moved to australia you used to live in england yeah i made that choice and you know i i, I almost regret it every time i go outside of the house even inside the house it's pretty um pretty ropey out here dude i gotta say well you know extreme circumstances breed extreme music well i suppose that's what you're out here making out i suppose there. so out back <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's it, it, the time zone is is bad enough, right? The the time zone between here and the US, but it's even made worse because we're trying to arrange this. The, the clocks went backwards yesterday. Oh no! So it's even more. Yeah, I know, right? So I'm like, what days? I'm trying to post about. I'm like, is it the fourth? Is it the third? We live in the future. I don't. I can't ever get my head around it, man. Deep maths going on there. Yeah, that'd be an an easy way, but there probably isn't. But you make it work, and you somehow, even with all of that, manage to. Record, write, record, and put out a brand new album. It seems quick, but I, I, how long ago did your first album, solo album come out? So that was 2019. Never After was my first solo album, not 2019. And I reckon that was around the, the last time I met you at NAMM. I mean, we've been we've met at NAM a few times and hung out yep. in NAM, but I think that was the last time before the world ended. It was Jan no, it was January 2020 was the last time I saw you at NAM. That was just just as the world was ending, if you remember. Yeah. Um, the, so just yeah, the last proper Nam. We had no idea how yeah. we had it. What was that like this time at Nam? Like a library? It was a little weird, but it was <laughs> fine. I still yeah. had a great time. It was a lot smaller, but 
it didn't really feel that much smaller. They kind of blocked off parts of it. I think I'd prefer it like a bit quieter, you know? Yeah. Well, I go to Summer Nam every year and it was a bit closer to that. It was like mm. much more chill and kind of laid back. Yeah. But I reckon, yeah. So Never After came out, I think it was November 2019. So just, just before I saw you for the last time ever, probably. Ever. Given the circumstances. Um, and then, yeah, since then, I actually tallied up the amount of songs I've put out since then. It's it's something like 93 tracks. Yeah, like written and recorded and released. So in the last two years, I've written, I've got a new solo album, Arcade Metal, that's just come out. There was the Morse Principium Mess album in 2020, that was seven. That was another 12 tracks. And then there were two whole video game soundtracks between then. So like lockdown for me was just like, okay, the world's ending. I'm just going to bury my head in Cubase and, and literally write music uh, nonstop, which is just, it's just what I do anyway, but it was an excuse to get hyper fixated and, and hyper antisocial. And obviously lockdowns over in Australia, we couldn't go out for basically two years. So for, for me, that was in some ways a blessing. I didn't really realize the impact until afterwards on my mental health, I would say. All of that, that's outrageous. So that includes things that you wrote for the band, things that you wrote for yourself, and things that you wrote for your, can we call it your day job? I guess you can. Composing video game thankfully, soundtracks. Yeah, thankfully now. That's yeah. A, I mean, that's an incredibly sick day job. Yeah, very lucky. Super amazing. Really, there's only one question on this podcast. All the other questions are follow-ups. At, from this point forward, obviously, I just asked you several. What is your usual songwriting process like and how does it differ from project to project now that you've you know you're doing it all these different things like we're going to focus on your solo release arcade metal because that's the hot new shit but i would like you for you to contrast it with for example the video game soundtracks and the band that you used to be in (laughs) yeah well i mean look the the way i write music doesn't change that it's not that different from project to project obviously there are differences and who I work with and, and but the, the approach generally is is the same and that is that I like to have a few different projects on at the same time and rotate them that's one way to avoid writer's block which I, I wanted to bring up for anyone who's listening is a way to avoid that for me is to rotate projects so that you're always fresh so if you're writing a metal album and that starts to get stale and you're like I can't write that same riff over and over again what do I do lucky for me I've got like maybe I've got like a orchestral thing I'm writing for a video game and then I can just go to that and then you always kind of stay in a fresh mindset and then you know the last the the new album I've just done Arcade Metal is is just like a is video game inspired it's so different a lot of it is soundscaping chiptune and synthwave and all kinds of crazy stuff that you wouldn't find on an album like Never After you wouldn't find on a Moore's Principium Mess record you wouldn't find on the video game soundtracks that I'm currently doing, which which are basically orchestral. Um, so that keeps things fresh. But really, honestly, dude, it's 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 just waiting for inspiration to strike and then getting the phone out and just singing like an absolute idiot into my phone. That's that's how it's done. That is I could play something probably right now. I could just find something on my phone and play it, and it would just be me just singing nonsensically into my phone and and, and those ideas. I reckon there's a really good track. I think it's probably like 50% rate of things getting used that go into that phone. That's high. Yeah, it's high. Yeah. So I wait for that light bulb moment. I wait for that moment to, to strike. I don't, I'm don't. i not someone who 
so I don't I used to I guess like any guitarist would sit there and write riffs with their guitar at a computer but now I'm like I just wait because I know the real gems are gonna come you know naturally and they're gonna hit me and I'm gonna go oh my god what was that and then run to the phone and then and and the thing the great thing about rotating three different albums at the same time is the waiting time for that isn't three years it's like it's divided between projects so you're always getting those light bulb moments where you're just like oh my god that that riff that that idea that flute it could be anything that flugelhorn needs to go in so you're not at your instrument it's just running through your head and you hear it and you just ah, you gotta sing it out generally yeah absolutely i used to write with my guitar in my hand and now it's just becoming increasingly rare to do that and i think it's because i hear these days i just honestly i just hear everything in one like i i'll hear like it's almost like I hear the finished mix in one thing, the drums, the orchestra, the guitars, the bass, everything is already there when I hear the idea. Now that's difficult when I have to sing all that into my phone in one go. So like, I'll be like, I'll be like, then the drums are like, and then, and then the guitars like, and then there's this like, you know, there's a, there's a, for some reason, a man playing a bugle over here. And it's just, it's crazy. It's not possible really to get, convey that. And sometimes you do reach the limitation of you play it back and it's just a garbled mess, which it requires like, you know, a scientist to try and pick apart to understand what you were actually... There, there's times where I've written something, I know it was good, and I cannot translate it afterwards. It's like listening to another language, which is a real shame. That's hard. You know how good it will will be when you get it out of your brain into the DAW, but it's so hard to do. Imagine, though, imagine if we were, we were actually hooked up to Cubase, like, or Pro Tools or whatever you use, whichever door, like in your head. You know, like the Google, they're talking about like these Google glasses or whatever, where you can just constantly be, like, as if we're not already constantly like tied to social media and stuff. Can you imagine just always being hooked up to that? I don't want that shit. But then again, if I had the door in my head and I could just write MIDI. Plug in at will. Yeah, like honestly, just plug, yeah, like like a MIDI cable into the back of my head, like like Neo from the Matrix. So I could just map that shit out. Because this is another thing that we talked about you know, how do, how do I song, songwriting for me has not changed. It's the phone now. And it, and it was when I worked like a nine to five, my first ever job, I was like 18. I was running to the toilet in the, in the, you know, in the, uh, in the building. And I would just, I would just sit on the toilet with my phone singing into my phone. But sometimes when I couldn't wait to do that, the, the riff was so good. I'd get little post-it notes out and I would try and write them, <laughs> try and write melodies or riffs out. But Instead of, you know, like, it's difficult to convey that with a pen and paper without writing, like, I wasn't writing sheet music, I was writing lines and hoping I could interpret the intervals later. So if the if the gap was, like, quite big, I'd just hope that it was, a, I'd remember that was a fourth or whatever. And so you just get these, like, little mini tabs I'd write out. And I'd get home and I'd look at it and I'd just go, what the hell was that riff? I've lost it. Sometimes I'd get it. It's It's never changed. The madness has never changed. That drive, though, that that need, absolutely, to get it out in whatever way possible. That to me is this is the sign that somebody's got the bug. I, I think the average person maybe could write things like hear ideas, musical ideas in their head, and just be like, ah, yeah, <laughs> like. It's that, like, gotta get it out. You know that it's cool and unique and original, and just like the urgency, the panic of. I have to get this down, yeah. It's, it's pure panic, it's the right word. It's, it's total madness. And I remember reading, I saw like an interview with a, with a British comedian called Lee Evans and he summed it up really well. He was saying, 
they were asking, how do you put together an entire stand-up comedy performance? And he says, well, I wait a couple of years and I'll be at a restaurant with my family and I'll just suddenly write on a napkin a joke that comes to his mind. And that's how, and that's how I work. You know, I really work in that way that I wait and I build up ideas and I'll have a, prod, I'll have a folder full of maybe a hundred ideas, riffs, melodies, some half songs, some almost full songs. And then recently I've, you know, tried to tame the madness and the ADHD and all that stuff of just put it into a spreadsheet. And what's really important for me is to label, really try and label that stuff. So, so whatever feeling it gave me, I label that. So I say like, okay, this song is called Riff A, November 21. Okay, I don't know what the hell that is. So then I'm going, okay, so it sounded like it was triplets, it was dark sounding, it was maybe evil sounding. And then I'll write the BPM. And the important thing with that is you might then have another idea that has the same BPM. You can tally them up and go, hang, did they work together? Holy shit, they're in the same key. Oh my God, they sound like they're giving the same vibe. And then you never lose a great idea. You just never lose it. It's always there waiting to be used. And I can use ideas from 10 years ago. And I did that on the new album. There's stuff that I wrote, I think, 10 years ago on that album. Wild. So recycling, recycling old stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. So once you've kind of gotten to that point, so you're, you're capturing the inspiration in this way. You wait for it, like a little hunter in the bush. You, you grab it. You catalog them. Now it's time to start putting them into a f- format that we can actually listen to. How do you go about the structuring, the layering? What's the, what's the next step, the very next step? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, 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 the way it works is just doing that, take, taking the phone, taking it to the computer, and then just trying to translate what the hell that was. So just my voice, it's like, it's like an impression of Jack Black when he's just going off on one of his <laughs> tangents. Like, the way he would sing it is exactly how I would sing it. And then once I've listened to that and I've had a good laugh about how ridiculous it is, I'll try and map it out and I'll get a demo down. I'll get a pretty solid demo down. Maybe it's just one riff. Maybe it's the whole thing. And then I save it and then I catalog it. And then if there's more to come, if, if, that, if, that, if there's a, a strong theme to that that I can then build on, then that's the way I'll take it. Sometimes I'll just go, oh, that's kind of it for now. I don't really have any more inspiration with that riff and move on and at some point in a year's time or so, I'll realize there's enough shit <laughs> to start sculpting something out of it, you know? Um, but, but I don't know, that's one, that's one sort of way I work. There, there's a really a, a number of ways. I want to hear all of them. Can I ask you to pull one up? Yeah, go on, let's do it. it and play let's it for it. us? I got to yeah. hear this, because I, I, I have the same, the same shit. I think these days a lot of people do this... Um, I've definitely been doing this pretty much my whole life. Uh, I've no idea what you're going to hear. I've turned the volume up. Let's go for it. Okay. That's great. So nobody steal that, please. <laughs> uh, that one's copyright. Somebody with no fucking good ideas is over here right now trying to transcribe it right now. They're like, oh, wait. It's just no way. Even I can't transcribe that one. I don't know what the hell that was. I've taken to making sure that I know where the one is. Like, I'll, I'll count myself in because otherwise I'm like, that seems cool. 
where the fuck is the one? Where does it start? Yeah, it gets worse when you try and write in time, like odd time signatures, and you're trying to go super proggy, and then you listen back, and you're like, yeah, but where was the where was the kick? Where was the snare? Like, I have no idea what the hell that was. Yeah, oh, it's man. hard. Sometimes it's difficult. But yeah, that's great. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. That's I'm glad, I'm glad something didn't come up on the, on the audio there that uh, <laughs> I didn't want going out to the world. <laughs> Remember uh, to pick up diarrhea yeah. medicine when you get home. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah my girlfriend. Like, I got your uh, gonorrhea meds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you don't need that. You were saying there are other ways that you go about capturing the inspiration. Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's other ways. I think you, like, I've heard you talk about it before with like, the whole thing of riff soup and trying to avoid just mountains of riffs and just, you know, and I've been there. I've actually had some success writing in that way in the past, um, just riff after riff. But I think it works if you're in a specific, very niche genre and you're trying to write a certain way where you can get away with kind of chopping and changing the same styles of riffs. But these days, everything is much more theme driven for me like everything has to have a strong theme if it's a song it needs to sound like a song and be memorable and have some sort of iconic feeling to it and i feel like these days i'm driven more by the vibe of a song than you know than anything else not i'm not i'm not ever thinking about theory i know like like you you touch on theory and stuff and that's cool like everyone's got their own way of working like for me i understand enough theory to get by but i don't i don't start with that and I very rarely think about it honestly it kind of just comes from the heart but something I think people neglect that's where I store the theory yeah right in the heart yeah yeah exactly it's got to be it's got to be in there something it can't be in the brain theory is awesome but you can't use it to write a song people think that it's gonna like they're gonna learn all the rules and all of a sudden they're gonna be able to write something Mm. but that's Mm. it's just a for me it's just like it's a tool to figure out when something is fucked more than anything else. If, if I hear something yeah. and it sounds shitty, I'm like, why is that? What's going on? Oh, that's because I did that dumb thing. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You're, you're trying to make sense of the notes that are pouring out of your mouth or you're into your phone or whatever. You're trying to, you're trying to make sense of what you're doing. And that, that it comes down to like, I think way back theory was people don't maybe don't realize like theory was, was made to understand the music that composers were writing and they, you know, it was written out. It was like so that they can write it down as well. So like monks are writing all these hymns and stuff down so that they could remember it. And 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 it's a way to translate music to scripture in a way. So yeah, you know, I don't rely on it all that often. But uh, but then again, I have a, I think I have a good understanding internally anyway. In my own, I've got my own ways of expressing those things. So like I I just know it from the feeling it gives me. Um, but all my stuff is quite emotionally driven, you know, it's, it's, it's finding a voice for that song. And I think I'm, I'm much more songwriting wise these days. I'm, I get much more inspiration visually as well, which is interesting, like from video games or films, just when I'm, when I'm not distracted and I, and I, I'll, I'll see something or hear something and suddenly I'm just flooded with inspiration. I think, um, we're all so busy these days that it's important to, like if I don't have, and, and I don't have, we don't have downtime because we're constantly social mediaing or, uh, you know, video editing. Video editing. I'm telling you, it's like 95 percent of my job now. It sucks. It's, it's ridiculous. I've outsourced that shit because I just don't. You know what I mean? I, I need to. I need to. I mean, that's probably the first thing I'm gonna gonna outsource if I can 
kind of warrant doing it financially, but it sucks the life out of me time-wise in the way that a nine-to-five job used to. And if I don't have time to reflect, because I, I find that I only really write great stuff now when I travel or if I am watching a movie, because that's the only time I'm not constantly distracted by something. And then suddenly the ideas are allowed to, to come. Wow. So, yeah, that's, that's when the inspiration hits me, is when I'm not really trying. And that's something that's interesting to me. People are trying, and it's like, just stop trying and just kind of let it happen. Yeah, stop trying, let it happen. But on that same sort of token, you're doing, uh, like I said, part of it is for your a job. You have to deliver these video game tracks, I presume in some kind of a timely manner. Do you ever just have to sit down and burn something out even if you're not feeling inspired? You do have that, and I, I, I can find inspiration. I can push through it. But for me, it's more like that's why the rotating thing is so great. You never have to get bogged down in one project like that. But, but then, you know, there, there are deadlines. There are, there are deadlines and there are projects that just require even guest solos, man. Like guest solo comes through, suddenly you've got 10 to do, and you're like, oh my God, I need to do something. And maybe you don't have the idea right there, but it'll come to you eventually. Yeah, I think different people work in different ways. I think I can do a bit of both. Like I can sit there and grind something out, but, but I'd much rather put my heart and soul into it when I've got the inspiration. But I think the key thing with songwriting, again, that's maybe neglected, is purpose. It's just purpose. Like, why are you writing that? Like, why? You, you can't just say, oh, I can't, I don't know how to write a song. It's like, well, why are you writing the song? Are you writing it for someone? Are you writing it? What's the meaning behind the notes? There might not be lyrics, but there's always meaning behind the notes I play. And like melody is the most important thing to me and telling a story. Like I'm a storyteller and, you know, I, I consider myself a storyteller with music. And that's why writing with a concept or a story in mind is so important to me now. I realize that. And in a band situation, so let's let's say back when I was writing in a band, it was more like maybe the you know the lyrics were kind of often an afterthought, which is a shame. And I feel like having an idea and a story and a concept in mind makes you go, okay, we need to feel this. So how do I convey that feeling? Well, if I play these notes, it makes me feel like this. And you can search for those intervals that make you feel that way. Often that that melody has is is lyrical, for me certainly is. So, uh, yeah. Let's talk about developing the ideas that you've captured. The first step, of course, is to have some source material. Do you have any kind of insight into your process for turning those ideas into the story that you want to tell? Yes, yeah, it's, it's difficult to really even imagine the process when you're out of it, I think. But for me, I guess I just try to become that music in a weird way. So I, I don't know if you feel the same way, Trey, because we we put out a lot of stupid videos. So like we're, we're, we are in a I way- do try, I do try. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, yeah. But like we're, we're kind of, we have to be actors and, and I feel like music in some way sometimes is acting for me. And what I mean is, I don't mean that, that, it's, that it's like disingenuous. I mean that it's it's so fun. I get the same buzz writing a certain genre it's like putting on a costume for me sometimes and like being like okay i need to become this character and it really does become that way because if i write some really evil sad piece or i feel like i become a villain for that day 
you know, really like takes over me. I think you'd be a great villain. <laughs> if I ever get a chance to cast. Please. I can be the British villain, the classic British villain. You got to put me in something, Trey. You got to put me in something. But because you're so nice, for the majority <laughs> of whatever it is, we're going to think that you're on my side, but then we find out that you're you're the bad guy and then you turn. Yes. That's deep. I like I like that there's a story arc developing now already. That feels good. Yeah. Based solely on the way that you talk. <laughs> We'll explore it. We'll explore it together, mate. So you have you have to be in the right mindset, no matter what. Otherwise, it's not gonna. It probably isn't gonna turn out quite the way that you want it to, or the 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 feeling will be difficult to get across. But like when you're actually structuring out the songs, let's say for arcade metal, for so some songs on that, like you actually have a few little like interludes on um, in there where they're super short. Things that sound like video game stuff, like a like a level complete thing, or yeah, 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 something that you'd hear at the end of when you beat the levels, anything like that. So, but how are you thinking about the the longer ones when you're structuring them out? Is there maybe give us an example of one of the songs and how you sort of decided what parts were going to go where? Are you structuring them basically like in a pop format with verses and choruses, kind of, or is it something longer than that? Yeah, so it it depends if I've got more of a story in mind but in, with that particular album i think let, let's let's stick with the, with the new album arcade metal then so like you know I, i'll think of it as a i'm playing a, a level on a video game so because it's a video game inspired album so like you know the, the latest single 1988 which it has a quite an obvious structure to it in a way it's not as obvious as a pop song but it's it's there there's clearly a verse there's there's like a verse b Let's say like it's like a second version of the verse. Then there's there's this big obvious intro, which becomes the big theme of the song, which closes with as well. So there's lots of like recurring moments. It's not it's not like a linear song that doesn't repeat. You know, I, I want it to sound memorable and iconic and have this recurring theme. So I think going back to the theme, that's super important for me to to bring back ideas in different ways and to create that voice for the song. So when people hear it, they go, "Ah, oh, it's this song," because there are albums. There are albums out there that you you just could listen to any minute of the album, and it's like, oh, that's a that's the riff, that's a cool riff, and they're all the same. That's the riff soup thing, right? It's like everything is just riff, and they could they could be great riffs. There's some great albums out there with great riffs all over the place, but if I can take that riff from song two and stick it in song seven and do that for every riff, what is the point? By the by the end, what have you done? You've written a hundred riffs in your bedroom. And great, but they don't tell that story because that to me is like you open up a book to read a story and you just read individual sentences that go nowhere. Or like you watch a show where it doesn't ever have a continuous story arc going on. You know, I like to put together some flowing stories. So yeah, I guess there's there's so many things going on. There's like, how do I make this conventionally appropriate for like the the conventional listener who wants that repeat of that verse and that chorus and then there's well how do i how do i excite it by not doing that how do i subvert the norm and the expectation of it going to that let's throw in this crazy key change somewhere everything's got to flow i think that's super important and not lose energy you kind of that's a really important thing with songwriting i think is to to maintain energy and then use those big stops when they're necessary to to break out of that but yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to say it's hard to bottle and say this is how I do it in a way because it just comes from the heart. It's like, what would I imagine that to sound like? 
if I was listening, that's another good technique, uh, is, is imagine you're listening to another artist. So just pick your favorite band, try and write like them, and just imagine what would they do if you were hearing it. Not, you're not the writer anymore, you're the listener. And you can actually write as the listener in a weird way. Mm. And it takes you out of that, oh God, it's all on me. And it puts you into more of an imagination zone, which is, imagination is everything for writing music. First of all, that's a really good technique. That's a that's a nugget right there. I clipped that. They're all coming out now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got you in the zone. So yeah. one thing that I, that um, all the instrumental guitar players that I've had on who are, who are writing instrumental music, one thing they all have in common is that they're very melodically driven. And I think the reason for that is because uh, to me, that's what makes instrumental guitar music worth listening to. Like as a guitar player, I'm very biased because I'll enjoy the sound of the guitar. I like, just love the guitar. And, but then you think like, okay, well, is this listenable on a, on another level to people who just maybe don't, play the guitar or care or whatever they just want to hear something that's cool so all of your music is especially on this album is extremely melodically driven do you have a particular way that you're thinking about the melody specifically when you come up with an idea do, is there anything that you're doing consciously to sort of develop a melody throughout a song do you do like any kind of trickery do, will i've noticed a couple times uh, throughout some of the songs for example you will play the same melody in a different key like you'll you'll take it and and transpose it or modulate it um and play it again um that's like one one thing that i noticed but is there anything else that you're doing that you're thinking about it throughout? Honestly, it's, it's, so dif- yeah, it's so difficult to say, and it's kind of stupid to come on a podcast that's about songwriting and not really you're know how try. to explain just how I do it. <laughs> just try. Just try. I know just it's hard. Sh- <laughs> shake me until I explain how I do it. Yeah, I mean... Just keep talking, and I'm going to keep asking you dumb questions, and it'll come out. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. I mean, I've got so much... Like, honestly, I could go on for hours on this. I could. But, Good. We will. Yeah, well, let's do it. Um, So when you say, yeah, I guess with melodies, everything I do is is absolutely melody-driven. I mean, that is the main thing for me. Um, but then there is no melody without chords underneath it because it's all about the relationship between the two. That's how you get a melody. Like a melody, you can think of it two ways, right? So melody, and this is another thing that, you know, maybe not everyone realizes is that a melody can tell a story in relationship to itself, right? So the intervals between the notes will have some kind of relationship and they will that will tell a story. But if you put different set of chords underneath... You've then got a, another interval going on where you're really playing. The melody almost becomes an extension of the chord underneath it. Every time you press the, the next key of the melody, whatever chords underneath it, it's 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 being conveyed under that, like under the umbrella of that chord, right? Yeah. So the meaning changes completely. And so I like to have fun with that. I like to play the same melody again because that's potentially the theme or it's a catchy thing that people cling on to and remember and then change the meaning of it and i mean like literally change what it means to me by changing the chords underneath so that's a cool thing to do but the storytelling absolutely comes from that relationship between the chords and the melody and when i was a kid i wrote this i had a book like a and i had like this big notepad and i just one day i just lost it and i just went this i have to i have to crack music 
I have to understand it. I had this like, it was like I'd just taken a bunch of shrooms, but I was like 10 years old <laughs> and I hadn't done that. <laughs> so I think I probably had like maybe a Red Bull or something. And I just, I was like, guys, I got, I put the golden eye controllers down. Let's, I got some shit here. I got to deal with It's like 3 a.m. I get this notepad out and I write one equals. And then I write what that note. So C, what does that feel like? Okay. C sharp equals. And then I'm writing... As I play on the keyboard, I'm writing what those notes feel to me. But not just that, I'm trying to write the meaning. So I'm translating this to a new language in my head of my emotions, right? And not just of the note. So that doesn't, a note on its own doesn't make much sense, but the relationship. So, okay, so C to C sharp, that interval, what does that feel like? Feels eerie, feels dark, feels evil. Okay, next one. And I had a freaking language mapped out. And by the end of it, I'm just like led on my bed with like cans of Monster and Red Bull and shit all over me. And I'm just like, oh my God, I've done it. Like I've, I've saw the devil and I've now got this Bible of how to understand every interval in music. And what does it mean? It's terrifying to me to think about how tall you would have been if you hadn't stunted your growth with all of those. Because you're already six, seven or whatever. No, I'm not. I'm six. I'm six four at a push. I'm. I'm. Ex- I tell you how tall I am. I'm exactly the same height as Ola England because every time I bump into him, we have a we have a height off. Uh, we have to take a photo. We're exactly the same size, and we both look humongous in photos compared to other people. But I'm not that tall. It's true. But I still. Am, I am still growing. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh no. I think so. I think I am. <laughs> that's uh. You're. It's that's because you're in the future. That's it. Yeah. So you went a little nuts and I went, uh, I lost and it, yeah. discovered music theory basically on your own um, without the help. <laughs> you just like created a system of uh, feel. It's like one of those uh, one of those things with a bunch of different smiley faces and sad faces on it. It's like, how do <laughs> yeah, you feel today? Is. And you were, mm-hmm. and, but you lined those up with intervals kind of. It was exactly that. It was the psychoanalysis test of, yeah, the five smileys. And yeah, it, I mean, that's a great way to put it. But what's weird is, really elaborate emotions were coming out, like complex adjectives were being used. It was like, oh, I feel whimsical, uh, you know, note five to six, feeling of whimsy, you know, like just random stuff you'd never think that you could convey with music. And then there's like, you know, okay, uh, a D to a B flat. Oh, that makes me feel like somebody just stole my ladder. You know, like just weird, <laughs> st- very specific emotions were coming out. And I'm like- It's almost like synesthesia. To a, to a degree. Do you get that? I definitely get that. I I don't get it really, but in a, if you think about it, the fact that these different collections of vibrations could kind of permeate the the brain membrane into the feelings part, like that, it doesn't really make any sense. You know, so in a way, it's kind it's just enjoy the enjoyment of music is kind of synesthesia in itself. Yeah, it is. But I, I definitely got it to a, a, a very strange degree of like. For me, it's colors and shapes and textures when I hear music. Wow. So like different, yeah, different melodies convey different colors. And I, and like, you know, the strum of the, the pick scrape has, has, a, I see that. Like I really see an image of, of everything in music, the sound of drums. And this is great for mixing. What does a pick scrape look like? Well, it's like, it's like, it's like thin lines. You know, it's very, it's very, my imagination draws it as I hear it. And there's like a guitar tone that sounds a bit spongy. I'll kind of see this porous image of a sponge. Like it's more texture than it's not actual sponge, right? But like, 
you, you see what I'm saying? And and that to me, in fact, the best way to say, you know, Windows Media Player with the like swirly imagery when on like Windows 98 or whatever. It's like that in my head when I listen to music. And sometimes it can be super, super interesting when I mix a song because I can go, I can actually see what I want the kick drum to sound like. And I'll be like, it's not, it's not like that yet. It doesn't look like it's got the squishy center yet and i can go for the picture in my head and go like i need to eq this thing to make it squish i need to have this polished top edge to it you know i really i really cross over and that's not just i don't think it's just music either i think i've got that with emotions if i'm feeling bad i see i see anger and stuff it's really wild i think it was down to the trip i had when i was 10 on the (laughs) energy drinks to be honest with you I crossed over. <laughs> you crossed over. I don't even think that that's so wild of an idea. Have you heard Devin Townsend describe like he like took acid and got tied up in a bunker? Like I, there was some, he like did this. I don't really remember exactly what he <laughs> describes, but he literally like I think he took a bunch of acid and had somebody like tie him up so he wouldn't hurt himself or something. And wow. they like and he like was in a very dark room and he just came out the other side with this like with an album (laughs) well with like you said he like opened a wormhole he crossed over and like saw things a certain way and and Mm. now he is Mm. devin townsend i don't know i I don't know maybe it wasn't wasn't just that (laughs) but that's so interesting it was a huge thing um but the the relationship of music and and feelings and the senses the the way that you interpret it that's all very important to to your personal musical expression because you you're chasing this certain thing it has like you're saying it has to be a certain way so that's this like other layer that you're going at when you're writing this stuff because so you capture these ideas the ones that hit you probably look a certain way as well in your mind yeah you know and then yeah. All the way through the process, this is something that you're considering. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think it it does drive the, the songwriting process a lot because I can kind of I can almost see the path for the of the song. Like if I think of one of my songs now, if you say, "Oh, describe a song," like when I was earlier, I saw the Cubase file, and in that I saw it's like a tapestry of notes and stuff as well. So I kind of saw what I remembered those things to be. And that image wouldn't make sense to anyone else. But to me, it has a lot of meaning. That's how I categorize it in my head. And I do the same with with music. I I really I have a language that I understand music in, and it isn't necessarily the norm, you know, it isn't the way that other people do. And I think that's just, as a very young kid listening to music every night when I went to sleep, you know, music was my best friend. Music was there for me when, when I needed music, you know, and, and that my relationship with music is like, it's my best friend. But it's also a curse because I can't ever shut off. I can't ever stop thinking about music. Um, I am 24 seven songs are in my head all the time. You're just describing your villain origin story that we're going to use. <laughs> there it is. It's uh, what would I be? I'd be, a, I'd be a man driven mad by music quite literally. That's that is the story of my life, I think. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways. The the creative life, it is. You got you have to do yeah. it. That urge that we were talking about in the beginning that really drives drives people to create. 
it's also it also brings with it a lot of anxiety and things like that. Oh, absolutely. But I guess that's a pretty interesting revelation that how much of your decision making in the songwriting process is driven by this thing that you're talking about. It's you're trying to achieve a very particular sound and feeling. Are there any other things that you're consciously thinking of during any part of this any part of the process really but yeah i mean it depends on the project if with with video game let's because i score video games occasionally and that that from that is very literal in the sense that someone might say there's a train station so we need to we need this to sound like a train station although on this project i did recently brimstone brawlers the guy was like this is the craziest pitch ever it was like okay it's a train station but we need there's chaos and there's people getting hit by trains and dying so i'm like okay so it needs to be super action theme and he's like yeah but then there's this sweet english girl like pretty young girl and so she needs a theme i'm like okay that's not gonna work but look see what we can do there and then he's like but in her bag there's a cthulhu that comes out with tentacles everywhere and i'm like okay and then what what's next you know like how can you possibly write that but but i somehow did and it's i like the challenge of writing literally as well so it's like you know i, I might put in the sound effect of i might put in like maybe the 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 xylophone sounds like it's the train announcement ding 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 you know the the next train to paddington is at this time so i've got that going on in the theme of the music i've got this action-packed thing and then suddenly we'll cut to the, the girls theme and then that's a very maybe we take a clarinet and we do something a bit sweet and soft and nice and then suddenly this monster comes out of a bag and i need to write this other thing so that's that's literal and that helps inspire me and i've started to do that more i've started to kind of create that story myself so with never after that was the my first solo album 2019 it was like let's create an entire story and let's make it so open anything can happen there's a girl and she's lost her mother so she's you know there's a big weight of emotion tying to all the melodies and then let's come up with a theme let's come up with that melody that keeps recurring throughout the whole album in different ways and then let's let's write a story so maybe she's panicking and she's running through a dark wood in this scene so now we need to write that and that aids that drives that directs me you know and that's super that gives so much more meaning to those notes so if 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 anyone's writing music and just going i just don't know where to start write a concept write a story or write even if it's just one song imagine something even if it happened to you and use those emotions to write that so yeah, you can write, you can absolutely write literally and use that as a guide. Sounds like maybe you were the perfect person to do that wild pitch because <laughs> if you, you know, you get that very particular feeling for hearing, like when thinking about certain things and certain sounds, you know, what's gonna, what's gonna hit and what's not like, what sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Those things that are described. So that's pretty cool. That sounds yeah. like a the gift part of the blessing and the curse that's that's the gift part the, the 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 conversely staying up all night thinking about how to write the perfect piece for a, a cthulhu monster coming out of a lady's bag is is another thing um so it goes hand in hand but i think i think as creatives and you can probably attest to this you know we're pretty strange people in you know deep down and it <laughs> probably shows at the best of times but also you know like for me insomnia is a terrible terrible thing you know like insomnia being kept awake thinking of music thinking of stress and the anxieties in my life and and anxiety is a a common theme in my life and and you know bits of depression dipping in and out of depression different things like that and 
you know, with Never After, the the story was perfect because it was like it was this it, it was someone who was feeling all these emotions and the insomnia thing led perfectly into this story of uh, she's going into a dream world. So she, she falls asleep. She doesn't want to wake up. She wants to find her mother in this dream world. And it's like suddenly, you know, it just resonated so much with me and it was just endless possibilities. Let's, let's explore that world and those emotions, what she feeling. And, but yeah, this it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, but I think every creative is you know, just a mess inside. But that's the beauty that comes out of it is what we create, you know? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Let's see. Let's talk about the the sorts of sounds and, and things that you've got on arcade metal. So you write a lot of orchestral sort of, sort of sounding things um, for some of your other projects. Arcade metal has a lot of synths on it, a lot of really cool synth sounds on there. And it it's, seems like that fits the theme, of course, like a lot of video game types of sounds and stuff. How do you think about those um, and the, the sort of ancillary layers of things that are going into the song? Anything that's not the guitar, bass, drums stuff yeah it's uh, it's super fun like that project was so fun and i think it was just everything i did for never after in terms of orchestration was like okay let's build an orchestra of just chip tune and synths and can that be done can i do it really so of course it can be done um i didn't have that much uh experience in doing that you know like building my own synth patches and, and all that stuff so it was it was a wild ride for me, for sure. But yeah, but, but it was very much like sound design for a lot of it, which was so interesting. So this is where the lines get blurred between writing music, designing sound and mixing. Because I was mixing it as I went to at the same time because I couldn't help but do that. I was just like, this this album particularly is not going to work with this many things unless I know it can work. I can't write 40 layers of synths and then expect the guitar to be okay at the end. Like, I'm going to still hear the guitar? Well, no, I need to actually carve out a hole for that guitar now. Otherwise, I'll never know. So, so so a lot of the way I was mixing, stopping to mix, which became, the whole thing became more like, less about recording riffs and more about like sound designs. Even the guitar became a tool in the same way as the synths in a way, which was really, really cool. But yeah, it was just like, Again, I go back to the the idea of a theme and a vibe being more important in songwriting than than really anything else. Because I don't know, do you find this trailer like you can listen to genres of music that are not metal, and as long as you can listen to any genre, right, and there'll be something, there'll be a song that's good in that genre because it'll have a vibe. So there's there's songs I wouldn't even want to mention on this podcast that I listen to. I wouldn't I wouldn't dare tell you some of the artists I listen to. I have no guilty pleasures. You'll, ne- yeah. you'll never <laughs> right, embarrass great. yourself. That's My favorite way, song from do. last year was Build a Bitch by Bella Thorne. Okay, excellent. Hands down. Well, Happy to yeah, so it. It, it, it's like some songs almost negate the need for, for like music, musical prowess. And, you know, you know, we're all like... Bella Porch. Sorry, it's Bella Porch. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> Bella Porch. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, there, I'm there like thinking... What what makes a good song? Because when I was a teenager, what made a good song to me was like how many notes it is, how difficult it is to play. Mm-hmm. It's got to be super hard to play. Mm-hmm. It's got to be super impressive. It's got to be like a Mozart, you know, symphony with guitar. And that's the only thing that can possibly impress me because I'm a, a prog snob and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized that, but then why can I listen to an Oasis song? 
And it's like, because it transports me back to when I was a kid and I listened to Oasis. How can I still listen to Michael Jackson? Because Michael Jackson to me is the greatest artist of all time. No one has moved me musically the way he has. No one's ever had that much passion and emotion in their music as Michael Jackson. So to me, you know, he didn't write symphonies. You know, some of his songs are very, very basic pop songs with just melody, but just the performance is so damn good that you're just take your transport to another world. But yeah, look, look, it's it's like the theme is so much more important, man. Like getting that vibe, it really just trumps everything in the end, songwriting wise. Um, so just follow the feeling is the advice I give to people. Um, and and then and with arcade metal, it was like that. It was like, well, I know the idea, I know the the concept, I know the feeling I want to give. And every song also had its own little feeling. It was like, okay, well, let's have an underwater level. Let's have a let's have that level where you're underwater and you you hate the fact you're in the water and everything's a bit slow and you've got right this piece where it actually goes underwater and there's like a slow bit yeah it's it's like sometimes you gotta let the narrative of a song drive it sometimes you just gotta let the vibe drive the writing process it's always the emotion though just always follow that emotion for the chiptune sounds what kinds of where do you source those what are you using for that uh so many to mention but i think we're both fans of omnisphere i think i've seen you use that before omnisphere 2 is i've been using for like you know, since it came out, absolutely, yeah, just amazing. Actually, just the, has, uh, like, the the intro music for this podcast, I made it in like twenty minutes in Omnisphere. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> it's so easy, amazing, it's stupid, amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. That thing is so good. So that 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 has a whole library of retro. I think it's called like Retroland, and there's just tons of you know old chiptune stuff. I think that I, I actually ended up sampling a lot of things as well, like actually getting sounds from like very or very very close to old NES, SNES and Mega Drive, Genesis, whatever uh, Commodore 64 sounds, all these different bleeps and bloops and stuff as well there, there's just so many so many VSTs involved to be honest with you that I couldn't even think, I can't even remember what I was using in the end but Omnisphere definitely played a big part Alright, so you have a lot of layers of that kind of stuff throughout throughout the album, throughout the different songs um some of them have very different flavors. My favorite one on the album is the, oh, it's called Tokyo something. Yeah, Tokyo Street Massacre. Tokyo Street Massacre. Yeah, it's the Matt Heafy one, yeah. That one hits me real good. I don't oh, know you've why, got the gong. Really like you've got the gong behind you right now. Yeah, you, can start, you can start the... <laughs> didn't hit it once listening to your album. Wow. I didn't... I didn't uh, you missed a trick. But the, the vibe of that, obviously, like, you've got those sort of different... I hate using the word ethnic sounds because that, I know what you mean. That though, bugs yeah, me. No, I don't real. I, so far, there hasn't been a better one. So anyway, no. but those. It sounds like uh, oh god, what is the game? Legend of the Mystical Ninja is the one that immediately uh-huh. stuck out to me because that was my favorite with that kind of a vibe. Are you using them primarily to double up um, some of the melodies? Do you use a lot of like a lot of them as pads or as secondary melody things, that kind of stuff in, in that track in particular? Yeah, a bit, a bit of everything. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of everything. So sometimes I'm like, okay, let's let's follow the melody here, and we'll drop the guitar out, and we'll we'll take over with a, you know, some bleep or bloop or some plonky little thing from Omnisphere. Sometimes I'll just go, we need an intro, and I think on that song it was the intro. I wanted it to just. This gong to sound, and then I want it to be like I think the patch is polypluckers or something like that. So it's like bum, 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 ba-dum, bum, bum. so I wanted it to sound like you'd walked into you know Shinjuku Station or something. I wanted it to sound and feel like 
just the bustle of Japan and just create all the maybe a little bit on the nose cliche <laughs> ethnic sounds like but at the same time you know you build that soundscape I think that's the word I'd use for this album a lot is soundscaping you're you're really building if you imagine it as like a movie set you're really you're going you're like we need that to be there we need this old car to be here because that'll that'll now look like it's a 1960s mm. movie if you if that's the stage that you're trying to set and a lot of the time that's it with music for me now which I guess we're kind of evolving and deviating slightly from songwriting in that sense you're actually really expanding it to the point of let's not just write a song now it's almost because now you're coming in with a producer's head and you're coming in and you're going okay let's produce the song let's put this gong sound in so that it's suddenly transported into Japan now let's let's have the this at the start of that song Tokyo Street Massacre there's a sound of this like bizarre flute sound that just goes and the pitch shifted down that to, that was completely inspired by Jean-Claude Van Damme movies because every time there's a goddamn montage that man has that flute sound playing behind him I don't know what it is but I found it I found it and it was it was a sound on a JV 1080 uh synth which is like I mean that thing is amazing right and somewhere buried in the in the annals of that was this thing called, I think it was called Ray Shakuru or something and it it, that patch is like I found it. I was like, oh my god, that that sound wasn't Googleable, and I found it. <laughs> and yeah, so suddenly you know we're in a Van Damme movie. It's just again, it's just like vibes. I'm painting, I'm painting a picture with sounds as, as well as music. It's sound design because I'm painting a picture with sounds. Yeah, so you you know transporting someone to a certain time or place or feeling is as important as the melody sometimes and transporting yourself there first like Mm. it sounds like your part of it is just setting the the tone of it so that the things that you create will make sense in that context like you can write a great melody that you think is going to work anywhere but in a very specific context like that it, it might not make any goddamn sense at all yeah I mean, it wouldn't make sense for me to go into, you know, there's certain scales you wouldn't use. You wouldn't, there's certain modes and stuff that you play in because the feeling is there and it's represented by those notes that you're playing. And yeah, I feel like it goes back to the whole thing I said about acting. It's like putting on that costume. I wouldn't walk onto a movie set of a uh, gangster movie in the 1920s if wearing a, uh, wearing a spacesuit. It ain't going to happen. So you're you you've got to be you've got to become the song, and you've got to immerse yourself in the feeling before you really start. And that's and again when I go back to what I said about a technique of going okay, let's say I love Silosis, I want to sound like Silosis. So how do I write a Silosis song? Well, so listening to Silosis, in, immersing yourself in that, and then going okay, what what's the feeling? And then writing like them sometimes will that can help. Something like that can help. You can just put the put the silosis costume on and be like, now I sound like them. But you don't obviously want to sound exactly like a band, but sometimes that's how you start off. You know, sometimes it's it's imitating your heroes. Sometimes it takes that to find your own sound. You know, I think most people start off as some version of a clone. Yeah. of their favorite whatever. Like I just imitated I think so. Dream Theater for years and years. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you one of the glorious You picked a hard one, didn't you? You didn't pick <laughs> no, an easy one. <laughs> so many years, I'll never give back. Yeah. 
But no, you'll never get them back, mate. But what's great about being an individual, unique person is that you can never really be exactly like somebody else. And after a while, your your personality sticks out more and more and more, and you yeah become more unique. That, that that's the but this is the beauty of of being a creative like being a musician is that you might start off being a clone of dream theater but eventually you've taken on so many other things in your life you know you and, and the more broad your you know search and quest for music is and the, the more genres and bands you listen to the more you take on you're like this sponge just soaking up all these ideas and then whatever i think the way it is is whatever really made an impact with you emotionally is what you then try to convey again so you're giving back to the world it's like a sieve, you know, everything goes into a funnel, we absorb it. And then as a composer, I'll go, what really made me, and, and this is completely subconscious, I'm not actually thinking, God, what, what note did Michael Jackson sing on that song to make me go, God, that felt good. Like, it, it's just, you know that, and sometimes you'll do an interval from a song, you go, that sounds familiar. Oh yeah, that's that. But they don't own that. That, me- that gave me that feeling. I want to convey that same feeling. I'm going to put that here. And there's a lot of subconscious choices that happen with writing music where you you're really just like you're funneling all the all the shit and you're just getting the diamonds at the end and then you're giving that back to the world and going here you go this is what i thought the best stuff i've heard in the last 10 years are here it is and whether or not you put that together coherently and well is is another thing <laughs> but i think i think that's beautiful because that's your identity and that's how i felt with never after was i was writing music for other bands that's kind of how i I had bands when I was a kid. We were writing classic rock when we were like 10. We were doing gigs. Then I had like a, a metal band, which is like a Trivium clone when I was 16. And then, you know, we, we I think we ended up supporting Silosis oh, and, and, and bands at the time in England that were not yet big. And then I joined, but then I joined a band called Shadow Law and I had to adopt the style of Shadow Law. So some of my voice was heard, but I was also having to put the costume on to get into that style. And then obviously with joining Morse Principia Mess, it was the same thing. It was like, how do I... That was so important to adopt the style of their music to become that. And then slowly evolve and let some of my my personality show. But eventually you end up with what, what I am now, which is just a complete mess of ideas and different things. But the important thing is that I think naturally the good shit rises to the surface, thankfully, I think. Hopefully. <laughs> Is there anything that you've been listening to lately that inspired a lot of that? Like dur- maybe during the process of writing the songs for this album or um, anything like that? God, it's so, yeah, it's difficult because all the things that inspired this latest album were just old school video games, really. I what, can't really, you, I can't really think favorites? of anything modern. My favorite video games of all time... Obviously, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog one and two on the on the Genesis or Mega Drive, depending on where you live. That those were the best. Streets of Rage was the biggest influence. Streets of Rage two, I think, was the best. Streets of Rage one and two, and obviously, I got to work with Yuzo Koshiro on this album, which he wrote the soundtracks to Streets of Rage games. Which was, I basically, you know, I sent him the vinyl and I wrote on it, you know, this is basically for you. You know, this album was written it was a love letter to you, man. Like, and I got to work with him. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, that was the, I think that was the biggest moment of what the fuck, you know, in my whole musical life. It's just like, I'm, the, I'm here working with my absolute hero. Like, I thought that guy would be unreachable, untouchable, and I just, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to work with him. I should actually quickly talk about Ocarina of Time. Okay. One of my favorite games of all time. I was thinking before this, I was thinking, God, what are my, you know, what are my songwriting techniques? Because I can't just go on this podcast and just be like, 
I don't know, Trey. It just caught, falls out of me, mate. And I can't do that, right? So That'd be a nice I was thinking, podcast. What, what? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, so I was thinking, like, there's the ocarina, ocarina of time method, right? Now I've only just coined that, but I'll elaborate. So, in ocarina of time, it's a very clever soundtrack where you have an ocarina and you can play three notes and it activates a melody which then does something in the game and there's i can't remember how many there might be 12 of these melodies something like that and they're all inspired by just three notes and i think you've touched on this before where limitation is often you know it actually breeds creativity helps you write so sometimes i'll say to my girlfriend right it's ocarina of i've got no ideas it's time for the ocarina of time method sing me any three notes and sometimes it's just two notes i'll just say just sing anything and she'll just go la la and i'll go done get the fuck out of my way bitch i need to get to the computer and i've got this idea from two notes and i'm just like it's because my my brain finished the rest so i only needed to be prompted now had i had to make that decision of those notes i would have almost been in too much control of the situation so like for me it's like let someone hand you the start of something and see what your brain does with it and um if if no one understands the ocarina of time reference so it's like let's say you play on this composer had to create 12 different full melodies it was limited to the controller being only able to play a few different notes on the ocarina so you'd play like Da, na, na. and then suddenly that would activate the entire Zelda's lullaby da, na, na, da, 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 da. like it it's like it's genius the whole thing's genius limit yourself sometimes that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> I will never be able to disassociate those um those melodies from certain feelings certain things like yeah like you know yeah yeah that the horse is coming yeah the horse is coming you just you can hear it galloping you can can hear hear it galloping galloping. through the through the fields or whatever and uh that's very powerful i like that method a lot the ocarina of time method and your poor girlfriend is the ocarina (laughs) she is and she gets absolutely thrown to the other side of the room when i'm you know steamrolling past her to get to cubase in time you're like put on your helmet and pads. I just, yeah. <laughs> Put on your helmet and pads and we're going for another notes. one. Sing the note. And she's like shaking as she sings because she knows what's coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, That's very sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for t- tomorrow. I'll wake up and you'll have a video. Trey Xavier with the Ocarina of Time method is just completely, just completely ripped my idea. It's coming. It's coming. I can feel it. I'll give you credit. We'll do that one together. We'll do that one together. I can be the villain. I can be Ganondorf or whatever on that one. <laughs> He's not. I don't think he's British, but I can do. I could do a British Ganondorf for you. Why not? Who's gonna stop you? Uh, I mean, do we even know what his voice actually sounds like? It's usually just like. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that. Exactly. Yeah, and we can we can just take some liberties on that one, mate. You know the the Mario movie with John Leguizamo yeah. and that shit. Like, of course. how they just uh, made What's-His-Bucket the... He's just like a person. You know, he's supposed to be a fucking dragon or whatever. And they made... Bowser, they yeah. Made they Bowser just made him just a bloke. Dude. <laughs> That's, yeah. That'll be our version of Zelda. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. We've <laughs> got to do shit. it. We've absolutely got to do it. But don't you find that option paralysis thing is such a... Yes. Because the thing is, these days it's so easy to write music. 
in terms of the tools we have now, you know, do you really think that Stravinsky and Beethoven, and do you think they had any way? Can you imagine the power that would be unlocked if you gave Mozart a door to work in? It would be unbelievable how quickly he could write a symphony. It would be actually like giving, it would be like drugging an athlete. It would be like giving steroids to a body. But it's just, it would be insane. I want to see it. Honestly, that, when people say to me, I've never, I'm not, I'm not going to claim that I've ever thought of this until now because this has just come to me. But if I had a time machine, you know, and they're like, what would you do? I'd go and shoot Hitler. No, mate. <laughs> I'd go back and give, I'd go back and give Cubase to Mozart and I would just, <laughs> I'd just crack a can of beer and watch the madness unfold because that would just be insane. The opportunities there. But, but then you have the problem of people just... And I've got friends like this. People suffer from this. They just can't get started. And this... I know that this is something you've started to deal with, you know, with, with what you do in your videos and stuff. And it's like... I don't know if that's something you suffer from personally as well, but some people yeah, just... 100%, dude. 100%. Yeah. That's why I made that video. A lot of my videos are things that I'm trying to tell myself that I need to hear. But the option paralysis of 2022, when you have so much stuff, yeah, so such incredibly powerful tools at your fingertips for incredibly cheap or free, we have no context for it because this is what basically we've grown up in to an extent, like, or at least it's been sort of drip fed to us over the past few years. So we don't think it's that big of a deal it does have a lot of drawbacks because then it's like i can do anything oh shit what do i want to do i know the thing you said about purpose having a purpose when you're writing is paramount like it's very hard for me to get going if i don't have a reason for writing a thing like i'll get the idea down as it occurs to me like you're like you're saying if the inspiration hits i capture it no matter what but when it's time to me to to make a thing start to finish to create a thing if i don't have a reason i can't make decisions no well how could you you don't have a direction you know it's like it's just walking aimlessly yeah i could go left i guess but and that's that's what to me removes a lot of the the meaning from from piece of music is when people just go yeah then we just do the riff again or like yeah the chorus comes back twice and then it's just done you know what i love these days is outros what the hell happened to outros man <laughs> they just they fucking went nobody nobody does good outros anymore i was like i need to bring that shit back and like i've been working on never after two and i've been just going like do you know what like, every song just has this banging outro because like how sick are you when you get to the end of a song and you're just like uh and then you hear the chorus get teased like i know it's coming there it is there's the chorus and it's like i'm just gonna turn that off because i know what the next minute's gonna be i'm done so like now I'm like, let's give them a treat at the end that says thank you for listening and just like, like that. chuck this epic chorus to wind it up. I think that's such a, a cool thing to do. Make things a bit more special because I think everyone got bogged down, especially round about 2005. Every metal band was just so formulated. Like it's apart from maybe Opeth, everyone else was just especially the metalcore. I think metalcore was the biggest offender for that. The, the singy chorus screamy verse thing and it just was like I, lo I loved it at the time I love you know I love some of that stuff but man well we hadn't really just, heard that before it didn't really the, I guess like good cop not. bad cop thing didn't really exist yeah. before then and it was such to me it was such a cool contrast I really loved it 
Yeah. Um, I've it, never heard of it called Good Cop, Bad Cop. That's brilliant, actually, when I think about that. I, uh, I, I can't take credit for it, but it's I do. Uh, like, I like that a lot. You've made me think of Linkin Park as well with that. They mm-hmm. did the same thing, the rap, then the singing. And that was obviously the new metal thing that came in. Yeah. Yeah, but it did kind of become a, a formula. And then, of course, on the other end, you had like the worst riff salad bands. And they were like... <laughs> yeah. They were yeah. like... <laughs> The same shit. I mean, uh, probably the age that we were, we just didn't even fuck, we didn't fucking know. And it was just like, fuck, yeah. yeah, yeah. Why would something repeat? <laughs> like, job yeah, for exactly, a cowboy yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, just like completely yeah. through composed riff salad nothingness. But have I been saying the wrong, have I been saying riff soup and you've been saying salad? Yeah, but what's the, it's the same shit. It's the same idea. I feel, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like salad is before it gets to the soup stage. So, like, salad is there's many <laughs> different riffs. And that's like, oh, it's a bit jar- it's like a bit garbled up and no one's on. The soup is where it's just, it's gone through the, the filtration system where it's just so, it's just the whole album could just be one riff. Not, you can't pick the tomato up from the, the lettuce. Right. It's just, it's that even, is just soup. It, that's, that's the, the advanced worst version of riff salad. That's the so final, yeah. The waiter comes up and is like, super salad, mate. <laughs> it's the final form the of, final of form. riff salad. It's just this hot mess. And there, I, I can, I'm not going to name the albums, but I can think of a few where you're just like, I don't know what song I'm on. I don't, I don't know what song this is. I just know that that's a riff. The worst version of that that I ever heard, I don't think the band even exists anymore, but uh, this band Archangel. I've, t- I've played I've played a, a, sh- a show with them once, actually. Was, are you sure back. it's the same Archangel? There's got to be a no. fucking hundred band- metal bands called Archangel, but but maybe... They had, like, really sick riffs. Yeah. Or the really sick sounding riffs. The production was really awesome. It was super heavy and brutal. And I remember being like, all of these songs are exactly the fucking same. Same shit. <laughs> Just, like, could not... Couldn't tell you a single <laughs> riff, like song. Any riff could be that. any other riff, and that sucks. That sucks. Yeah, you need a theme. You need you need the thing is an an album can have a theme, and sometimes you know, and a concept. So like, never after sounds like an album. It sounds like a piece of music. But and I think that's that's the key. That's if you can if you can make a collection of works that's like that's an album. It's an, it was clearly recorded at the same time, the same era, the same vibe, sound, everything. But it's a journey that you're happy to stop on any song and know what song that is and know where you are and picture something. That's the goal for me, I think. Have a, have a strong identity for every song, but also have a collective piece of work to, to sort of be like, this was where I was in this point in my life and here's Arcade Metal. What was I thinking? I don't know, but here it is. Um, but I've got I've, another thing's come to my mind just while we were talking then. And now because... ADHD's just kicked it out of my mind again, just as I was about to say it. So that's annoying. That happens a lot. Does that happen to you? <laughs> does it? Ha- does it ever not <laughs> happen? Laughing. To me? Just laughing. <laughs> yeah, fair. Oh man, it's just terrible. Um, Had something. Oh, here it is. Okay, it's back. It's back. It's back. Philosoph- I got a quick philosophical one for you. Music, music, philosophy. Well, it's not even philosophy, really. But it's just we were talking about the bad cop, good cop thing. There, there was a very strong era there was you can point the finger at the new metal and the metalcore kind of thing and that was a huge movement right that everyone was emulating what has happened since that that i guess gent was possibly one of the big movements since right in metal and what what i wanted to ask you is what do you think is obviously impossible because you do it but what's next you know is there anything else that can come you know what is to come 
it's is it is it you know crazy flugelhorn solos in every song is it what's the next trend well if i had my way i mean i'm out <laughs> i'm on a mission right like yeah all right my my whole platform is writing better songs and that's pretty vague but in metal i think the sort of the the riff centric way of writing i think i think that's bad i don't like it i don't know like a lot of people come yeah. on and the, and they start with riffs and that's fucking awesome i do i do the same thing but like um i think actually almost the opposite of progressive metal like okay. is, is wow. the next thing i hope is the next thing where it's hang on like so you've grown up emulating dream theater and now you're trying to bring forth a new era of anti-prog not so much anti-prog in the sense of i don't know getting rid of the bad parts of prog that have cropped up recently like the elaborate the riff salad is a is a bad yeah. version of prog okay <laughs> yeah Great Prague, truly great Prague, Dream Theater, Transatlantic. Yes, like the really great Prague bands did not have this problem. The stuff that the, the way that they write songs is not random collections of yeah. ideas. The like they're like, but I think that people who grew up listening to that stuff and didn't really get it are like, it's all about weird time signature changes and shifts and and tempo changes. And like, no, they're taking a theme, an idea, and they're working it through the kitchen sink, but it's it's still very compositionally cohesive and with memorable parts, and it's not a mess. It's just a longer form. Yeah, because it was driven... They This is the, the reason, is that they've started with an idea and they've evolved it, they've expanded it to become proggy yeah. whereas someone else who comes in and just hears the prog and they go okay well i'm gonna do that too i can write in 11 8 and i can write all these crazy stuff it's like yeah but that's the after that's the part that it goes into you know like that's not where you start you don't go how can i make the craziest riff and i think uh, the craziest time signature and i think the uh, a lot of what i hear these days and i get submitted between like 25 and 50 songs a week of amateur compositions and um, now that the <laughs> songwriting contest is back on, um, even yeah. more, like at least double that. So uh, what I hear as a trend is disconcerting. I'm anti-bad prog. I think yeah. what you have to do is bring it back to the number one, the like we're saying, the the actual concept, the, the motif, the idea, the, you're a good musical idea and developing it. And, and then uh, um, on this sort of the opposite end of the spectrum problem is that a lot of these bands um uh, that are sort sort of leaning a bit more active rock but like the heavy charts all these fucking songs are completely interchangeable like any of any of these bands yeah uh that are putting these songs out could they could have been by any other band so having really solid well-written catchy songs but a very 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 strong identity stylistically when you hear slipknot it sounds like slipknot yeah like they yeah. could play um fool on a hill and it would sound like slipknot you know what i mean like yeah totally so totally that's to when me, you know you've the got next, something yeah i what well, i can t i can only tell you what i want the next <clears throat> thing to be is yeah yeah sure is like pushing those boundaries of very formulaic songwriting but without it turning into a salad and having just the 
the strongest possible, most unique identity um, that is different, which is very hard to do because it seems like successful bands right now all sound the same and bands that are that are super weird just like can't put a fucking song together. So I don't know. That's a that's a long answer and very self-serving because I know what I want and I know what I'm pushing for and what I'm trying to be. But yeah, no, I get it. I, I think I think it's quite sensible, really, to think like that because you you can't. For me, I get bored of music quite easily, so I, I do like the other end of the spectrum where it's just crazy at times. But I feel like you're not gonna get you're not gonna be able to build a fan base if your music isn't coherent and isn't in some way structured to a degree, right? I think it needs to have some form of uh, like a way to identify it and to feel connected to it. And I feel like you lose some of that when you don't. You, it's difficult to form your own sound if you're just going crazy all the time. But then on the on the flip side, like you said, you, you know, you've got to have a balance because of the other side of the spectrum, you've just got the the problem of A, B, A, B, you know, C, A, whatever. And suddenly it's like, ah, okay, that's like so boring and dull. And I know that chorus is coming at the end and I'm done with it and I want to skip the song. <laughs> so yeah, there's definitely a balance to it. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's it's a journey. It's an independent journey for everyone. Everyone's doing their own thing. I, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. It's, I kind of wish music. more people would be doing their own thing. Like there's a lot to be learned from so many different places, but it's tough to avoid being formulaic in order to be successful. I don't know. I think there's a lot of small twists on on the formula that will make it different enough that it's interesting. Like, even just the thing that you said, like, what happened to big big outros? Like, like Layla? Yeah. Like, I kind of feel yeah. like it's such a fucking left turn. Yeah. But mainly the idea that that could be such a huge hit. Uh, same with uh, but- uh, Freebird. Right, like the fact that it could yeah. be such a huge hit at this long song length um, with this. How about Bohemian Rhapsody? While we're at it, <laughs> yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Um, uh, hey Jude, like the the big ride out at the end is awesome, yeah. especially in a live context. And yeah, it's tough, you know, a lot of three minute songs hitting the mark. Like, but who knows? You might be you. We might credit you for bringing them back. If you're gonna- maybe I could be the guy. I could be the guy, the outro guy. Does this song gonna have a Gillian on it? <laughs> but the problem with that, <laughs> guys, yeah, what do you stick think? A mad Gillian, Gillian this, <laughs> Gillian out to the. Yeah, all right. The the problem with that though, Trey, is that no one will know until the very end of the song. <laughs> so they'll be like, "Do you like this song? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Wait until the end. Oh uh, yeah, I had a Gillian outro. That's that's my jam. Like that doesn't actually, you know, that doesn't flow cohesively through the song. So it doesn't doesn't quite work, does it? But the thing you mentioned, Layla. Then Layla for me was about the the weird key change to every verse, where it drops down into the verse again. Like this oh, yeah. really disappointing, weird. As a kid, when I heard that, I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, and I started to really enjoy the way music could turn my stomach in that way, and like it can f- you feel it? Like you're just like kind of pulls the rug. What? It does. And I, I've tried to do that more in my writing. And I think Dream Theater are really good at those chord changes. With Dream Theater, they 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 are clearly bored of music. You know, they're clearly <laughs> at the point where they're just like, oh, come, let's just go to this random fucking chord here. And like, the sometimes it just hits you in the feels and you're just like, please give me more of that. Please just give me... Everyone loves a twist. You know, in a movie, everyone loves that twist. And I... 
I try to do that more on like the more proggy songs. I try to go, let's make them feel utter despair. Let's do this and just U-turn that shit. And and I love I love playing with the emotion of the listener, even when I haven't even finished the song yet. Like I know I'm I'm a, I, my idea is how that listener is gonna feel and react, and I enjoy twisting that emotion. But I think I am the listener too, right? I'm listening to my own song as I write. So one thing. If I haven't drilled that home, point home enough in this podcast, I would say, as a songwriter, put on the hat of being the listener when you write. Be your own listener. Be the audience. Imagine it. Imagine if you just put your the headphones on and press play, and it's someone else. What do you want to hear next? You know, let the decisions come from what you actually want to hear. I think that's super important. Otherwise, you're just relying on, oh, this other band did that thing, so we're going to do it. That's not you. Mic drop, that's it. Boom. Yeah, I always tell people that they're you're your own first audience, no matter what. You're the first person who gets to hear the song. But that thing you said about like chord changes turning your stomach or whatever, it's kind of amazing that we have that power as songwriters. Like you are literally reaching through your DAW out the speaker. Into someone's ear. Into so, into someone's gut. <laughs> and yeah. like through the yeah. ear down into yeah. That's, That's a that is a fucking magic spell. Like we're we're over here casting mm. turned stomach. I like that. Yeah, turned stomach, you know. I I, I love the idea that we're because it, it's music is magic to me, you know. We are we are like casting a spell in a way. We're we are making someone I love that that we have that power. And also I don't take I don't take that power lightly either, you know, like, I don't, I'm not trying to be like, oh, you know, the responsibility of having that. But also at the same time, I do like, I think, you know, with the small amount of listeners that I am grateful enough to have, I, I want to create something amazing for them. You know, I really want to wow people and I want to give them something that they're going to really enjoy that's imagine just writing those boring riffs imagine if if your band was one of those bands who just did the riff salad thing like are you guys really enjoying what you do like honestly would you listen to that like what do you want to hear try and impress yourself that's that's the goal i think if you can impress yourself chances are someone else is going to feel something to the music you're making so you're considering the audience quite a bit as you're making these decisions i think so but i think it's the same way that you kind of put your best you try and be the best version of yourself in a way like you want yeah it's so it's so difficult to explain (laughs) but i guess i'm trying you know i'm trying to absolutely knock the song out of the park it's not like ah then i strum this chord and there's some lyrics there we'll put that out and we'll make some money on spotify like it's it's more like like so much care goes into the music I make, you know, so much intention, I think is the important thing. Like it's, it's never like some people I've had comments on YouTube where someone was like, Oh, I noticed you went to the seventh note on this uh, thing. Did you actually mean to do that? I think it might. Have... Someone said that when you repeated it, it was a little bit different. Did you really mean to do that? I think you might've made a mistake. I'm like, you're seriously going to ask me if I intended to write that note. Do you realize how much time I spend making music? Of course it's intentional. Everything is so precisely knitted together. So it's hyper-fixated. It's it's scrutinized to the finest degree. You know, like everything I do with music 
it's such a blessing to be proud of something that you put that much effort into. I think that's so much more important than just writing riffs and cobbling together that way, you know, like just just take more pride in what you're doing and not and and try yeah, try to impress. Try to impress yourself first and then imagine the others listening and I like that in in the importance of intention when you're doing these things. You Yeah. No matter what, the listener is gonna pick up what you're putting down or they're not but if you don't put it out there with extreme intention there's no chance that they're gonna get it no and also believe in it believe in the message you're putting across with music so like don't be like uh yeah maybe we'll do this thing be like then this thing goes there and it's because i want to feel like this and this is my story and in my story this terrible thing happens here and this amazing thing happens here and then we feel brilliant at the end and so i've just noticed in the chat because obviously we're doing this live on youtube as well as the the podcast someone's put very good point um makes you more objective about your own stuff and and that's really interesting because like i said earlier you're more objective it's hard when you're in on it you're like we're on the inside making this so we can't necessarily make decisions as a listener we're kind of making decisions as the right and it's if you take yourself out of that you'll get a different perspective. You know, pull yourself out of the writing process and look back in on it as a listener and go, if I picked up this, put this on... God, I'm showing my age because I'm like, if I put this on my iPod, you know, (laughs) I don't think anyone... I don't know if anyone uses an iPod anymore, but, you know, if you did, what would you think? And then suddenly you have totally different ears. You're You're listening with a totally different mindset and you're now able to have a clearer perspective on what you're making speaking of objective ears do you ever work with um an outside producer or ask other people's opinion of your stuff as you're working on it do you have a sounding board of any kind yeah that's such a that's such an interesting one for me because i think these days i'm enjoying the freedom of of working on my own and i think i have made the mistake in the past of losing my way because I've asked opinions of friends. And like, sometimes it's great to get opinions of friends. Um, I've got some really, a lot of my friends are really great musicians. I mean, really good composers. And I'm, I'm quite blessed to know a lot of people who are just fantastic at what they do. But there's been times where I've just like a drunken night at my place and like, my friend stumbles in the room. And I'm like, oh, dude, I've got to show you this riff I made. i got to show you this. And I'm, I remember with Never After, I was showing Becoming the Nightmare one of the first songs in the album and it's cra- it's a crazy song it takes you on a real journey of wines and it goes to different places and my mate was sat there with a beer and he just went you know what Andy sounds like two different songs and I just was like my head was in my hands and I was just like really and he was like yeah it's sad here and then it's happy here it don't work and I, I and I, I took it on board I took it on board in my naivety I was like oh maybe he's right you know and suddenly that poisoned me against my own song i was like shit i think he's right and i almost did a u-turn on a song that ended up being you know one of the best compositions i've ever made that the idea that it takes you on that journey of despair and then jubilation and there's a there's a real the, the the sweeps at the start of the song are evil and and you know uh it's it's very much like anxious sounding and then those exact almost the exact same sweeps with different chords underneath and they change the modulations to to fit the chords suddenly it's you can create that same theme but with triumph because of the journey this girl's been on in the story that was 
a piece of like for me that was like the best piece of story storytelling I've ever done in music. And this this single interaction with my my idiot mate drinking a beer almost destroyed that. So actually, I try not to. It I think at different different stages in your com- compositional career or, or journey, you can have different ways of working. For me, at this stage, I just need to trust my gut. I just need to trust myself. You know, I really do. Because the moment somebody goes, it's good, but I don't know. Maybe that you could repeat that thing. What do I do now? I'm second guessing the riff. I'm thinking, did this? Did I do this wrong? No confidence in what I'm doing anymore. Just you got to have confidence in what you're doing. This that's just my perspective anyway. So I don't I don't work with a producer. I, I pretty much do all that stuff myself. Yeah. Some people need a lot of goalkeeping to keep them from doing stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get and that. Certain. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just cool. Uh, whatever like a little bit at the last 10 percent some people lose confidence and uh and lose the plot a bit i'm a a little 50 50 i think i can take it pretty hard i can take criticism or implied criticism pretty badly yeah i think i can too (laughs) to me it has to be somebody that whose opinion i really trust and i think that they're also i have to think that their intention is good and it's very hard to find the right person like you're saying your your buddy your yeah. mom your girlfriend whatever like not always the best yeah those are usually the people that you show stuff to because they're the people that you know and the people that you want like i don't the, the they're usually the only opinions that you can get your friends and your family and uh, like do they do they have any idea yeah yeah sometimes it's not but it's cuz it's not based on the same thing that we're basing our opinion on. They've not gone on the journey we've gone on, so it's, it's quite difficult for them to understand every, every time. And yeah, if you play something to your mum, it's just like... I, interestingly enough, I, my mum loves the Never After album. She she listens to it and she's like... But she said to me, Andy, I just... I think I've got one point and I, I oh, here it comes, like, you know, it's too heavy or something. She was like, I really like those bits where it just goes crazy. You should do more of that. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love the idea of my mom listening to that and just being like, yeah, we need more blast beats. <laughs> like, <laughs> where are the blast beats, Andy? You know, come on, step up. That's, that's, yeah, I love that. Amazing. But yeah, some people you, you can't trust. Some people, and I don't, I really don't want to poo poo the idea of working with a producer. Like a lot of people work producing. That's, that's totally fine. That's cool. Um, I think some producers do excellent work with bands. And I think some bands really do like, they have great stuff. And a producer just goes, let's just move this here, this here, here's here. Do you really want to do this? Okay, let's do that. And suddenly, and cut that song and pff, that's your album. And suddenly it's like, oh, damn, that, <laughs> that job is there for a reason. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I try and do all that shit myself. It's just a big old mess in here. But the job gets done somehow, I guess. I don't know. I think it sounds a bit more, I don't know, cut and dry than uh, than maybe it seems to you. Or not not like... I think everything's just become one thing Cut now and dry, but That's yeah, it's, you, it's, just, it's unified. It's just homogenized into this one crazy things like writing a song is is mixing to me now it's it's producing it's pre-production is happening all the time even during the production and everything is one and uh, and i like that but i also understand that it's, it's some cases for some people that might not be the best approach because if you can't get started on a song you definitely don't want to be 
tweaking your guitar tone during the song. You definitely don't want to be spending 10 hours coming up with a demo drum sound. Just use the freaking MIDI and get on with it, you know? Use the preset, call it a day. Yeah. I exactly. think that this is a good yeah. point to ask what you've got coming up. You just you just did a tour. Um, yeah. The album is out. There's a link in the description where uh, folks at home can listen to arcade metal and what's what's next for andy gillian that's a great (laughs) that's a great question Uh, it's been such an intense couple of years like um i just did my first solo tour which was unbelievable um in australia uh supporting bellacore um and my friends in orpheus omega that was just an unbelievable tour and just to, to go on as a solo act and take that album out like i never thought that album would be played live so that was super cool to do that yeah, so so that's that's done the albums out. So now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm almost about to drop dead from fatigue. So I'm going to I think I'm going to possibly take a break, go see my family in the UK cuz I haven't seen them since lockdown. I think it's been three and a half years since I've seen my family. So, uh I need to go do that. <laughs> Your mom's and then hopefully... waiting for the blast beats. Yeah, my mom's just there. Bring the blast just, beats she's just person. like yeah. She's shaking her finger going, not enough blast beats. It's been three and a half years. Come on. So I do need to deliver some blast beats to my to my mother. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully I come back stronger. Because honestly, this last couple of years have pretty much squeezed the life out of me. I think some great stuff's come out of me. But also, you know, there's some serious damage, dude. Like, there's some serious PTSD that's been boiling up under the surface so like i feel like time to take a couple of weeks and uh see family then get back and then um dude i want to do some more tutorial stuff i want to i've got never after two is like 60 percent done so that's something i also have a melodeath album that i pretty much have done i've written i just haven't recorded i'm going to try and do some vocals on it as well for the first time so that's interesting so there's there's two albums there that are basically in the works almost ready to pop and then, yeah, and I, I might well see you in Nam in January, maybe this time. Hell yeah! Well, That'd you won't sweet. see me in January at Nam because it's in April this year. But uh, what really? If you come in January, you can you can still hang out. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just wander around the, uh, <laughs> the convention center for myself. <laughs> they moved it to April, really. Last year it was supposed to. It was at the time that Summer Nam usually happened, but it was still in Anaheim. And now they're kind of splitting the difference. Yeah. I think, I think it's April. I, I should check, but it's not in January. Are they combining the two again? Instead of doing both, it will be just one in April. Is that what you're saying? I think so. I'm pretty sure. But uh, just, you know, maybe check on it before you book your plane. <laughs> it's, yeah, um, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, yes, that would be either way. Seeing you here in the United States at whatever, whatever month for whatever reason would be great. Um, and yeah. also um, you have a very active patreon where people can come and support you and see and get a bunch of cool extra stuff extra stuff there's an exclusive vlog every month it's like 45 minutes long of what i've got to every month you can only get that on patreon we write songs together we didn't really touch on that i wanted to go in a tiny bit on that but like just to summarize that very interesting to write music with a crowd of people watching which we do every month on Patreon as well, which is insane and and a little bit daunting, honestly. And I think, you know, you might know a bit about that from what you do, but yeah, like writing privately in my bedroom versus uh, then going on a stream and just having no ideas and going, let's write a song. Totally different way of working and kind of super cool. In fact, 
a lot of Never After 2 has been written this way. Oh, wow. So it's a very cool, very cool experience because everyone gets to hear everything, all the ideas from start to finish. So, And, um, you're, and you're getting yeah. viewer-sourced ideas and things? Yeah, absolutely. People are chipping in ideas. Some Someone's shouting, let's have more bassoon. Some other person's shouting, let's have less bassoon. I mean, it's crazy. It's, uh, the, the fights that go on in these chats, I tell you. My mum's in there. More blast, more blast beats. beats. She's typing away more. <laughs> So, um, yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's an amazing community. Very proud of the, the Patreon community. So thanks for, for pointing that one out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I hope you're well, dude. I, I hope we can catch up in person soon. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be a blast. A lot of this. Hey, dude, how you been? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, not a lot bad, of mate. A lot of yeah. swinging of dead ferrets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, dude, uh, congratulations on, uh, on your very prolific output arcade metal is awesome if you out there in the world have not heard it yet you definitely should listen there's some music videos that you can source the usual way by searching (laughs) i don't need to give you a link and uh thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about your process and about all of just your whole musical philosophy and what you're doing what you're up to it's totally awesome to hear i love doing these hopefully we can chat again soon yeah absolute pleasure dude we'll do it again soon all right my dude i will catch you on the flippy floppy catch you soon buddy all right everybody thank you so much for watching huge thanks to distro kid for sponsoring this episode be sure to check the link in the description for seven percent off your first year of distro kid it's always super fun to do these so great that i was able to hang out with my buddy andy gillian on this i've known him for a very long time Ultra cool dude, great guitar player, awesome musician. Next week, we've got Lorna Shore. All the Shore who's Lorna Shore on the podcast next week. So it's same bat time, same bat channel, 12 p.m. PST every week, just about. I'll be here and hopefully you will too. So catch you all on the flippy floppy. Stay squishy. Bye-bye.